You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yeah, that's right. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, Two quick um, notes before we get to Tommy's Thanksgiving, which apparently didn't go uh, very well. Um, number one, uh, we talked about the USC head coach opening. Uh, well, there wasn't an opening, and, I've, and many of you tweeted that to me. I think when we when was it discussed that Clay Helton was coming back? Because I didn't know that until after we recorded the show yesterday. I think it started coming out that morning, or okay. at least be, being solidified that morning. All right, so maybe we had well, already. It's a, it's a time zone thing, Kevin. It could be a time zone it could thing. Be a yeah. time zone thing. Well, yeah. you know, Greg Huff, who is a good friend of mine and um, my former producer with Cooley. Um, he at one point said to me, so if it's nine o'clock here, central time, it's eight 30, right? <laughs> I said, wait a minute, save that one for the air. Please save that one for the year. He had no idea. No idea. Uh, all right. Um, we'll get to the, the caps who have won six in a row. The wizards who got a win last night against Houston, all of the Colt McCoy stuff. Tommy, can't wait to get to that. I want to get to the Monday night game uh, as well and talk about whether or not Houston's a legitimate Super Bowl contender because I believe that they are. Um, but you, uh, the last time we were together was a week ago. Yes. Because of Thanksgiving last week. And I, uh, you, you explained your dilemma, which was you were going to your, you know, fa- your My wife's families yes. you know, for, for Thanksgiving, the in-laws, and you've spent Thanksgivings there before, and they're very nice people, but you always felt sort of uncomfortable to sort of slip away to watch football. the football game. Yeah. And so I said to you, well, hell, at this point in your life, just come over to my house. Just tell Liz you'll come over to my house, and we had a seat for you. You texted me uh, early Thanksgiving morning saying, nope, you're going to head to to Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving. So how did it go? Boy, did I make a big mistake. You did. That was a text I wish I could have back. What happened? I had a worse Thanksgiving than Colt McCoy did. (laughs) You did? (laughs) Yes. What happened? Well, we get up there, and, uh, you know, I figured about, you know, maybe 15 minutes before the game, I'll say to my sister-in-law, look, I have sort of the same situation I had in 2012 when the Redskins were playing the Cowboys in a big game, and I had to go talk about it the next day on the radio. The Redskins are playing the Cowboys. It, it's, 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 it's a big game for first place. I have to talk on the radio the following morning, so I need to watch the game. Can I? I you this know, was 15 minutes before kickoff. You you dropped this on your sister in law. Well, the host. But, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal because they've done it with me before. Mm. So she says to me, so I say, you know, I'm going to go downstairs and watch the game if that's okay. And she says, oh, we don't have that TV. No TV in the whole house. Well, the only other TV they had is in a cabinet. In the room where where twenty five people are talking, <laughs> so, so you couldn't open up the cabinet and pull no, the TV out there. No, no that's what not, about without sound? What uh, that's not flying, really? That's not happening. So I I have to get I have to I have to Google a bar that's open in Westchester, PA on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, and I find one a dive bar, a bar whose bathroom was not as big as the one on an airplane. <laughs> It was a dive. And, and and so this is how I spent my Thanksgiving meal, okay? 
I said, when I sat down, I said, can I see a menu? And he looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> and he said, you want to see a menu? See those cheese crackers up there? <laughs> there it is. That's the menu. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Cheese crackers in a bar with a couple of the other lonely degenerates on Thanksgiving afternoon watching the Redskins Cowboys. And now, now, now the best part is I, I get after the game, I go back to the house. Now I'm figuring, you know, my wife, save my a plate son, for you. save a plate for me. You know, I get back there. They ran out of mashed potatoes. They had like 39 people at this thing. Hold on. When you decided to leave, when you, what was your reaction when your sister-in-law said, oh, yeah, we don't have that TV anymore? Well, you know that reaction where internally you're MFing everybody, yeah. but you're not saying it out loud. Right. And, you're, and you, you've got that blank look like everything's okay, no problem. I'll just go to the bar where like there's voices that you're trying to keep down that are saying, you idiot. I mean, I, there must have been 30 emails about this Thanksgiving back and forth between people. I'm bringing this. I'm bringing that. Make sure you're here for this. Make sure you're here for that. You think somebody could have mentioned, oh, and for the few Neanderthals that want to watch football, we don't have a TV this year. <laughs> well, but you said that this wasn't a football-watching crowd. Yeah, but there's a couple mouth breathers who are who who are, who are like me. They're, they're they're outsiders. Yeah, who will sometimes come down before. Do the outsiders usually find their way to a corner yes. of the room and yes. have a conversation? Yeah, and and usually they'll they'll meander down to watch part of the game. Right. So I mean, I'm not exactly the only one. There's maybe two what or happened three. to the TV downstairs? It's it doesn't matter. It, will, it really doesn't matter. And did she offer you the opportunity to use the TV in the room where everybody was gathered? Was this the meal room or the you know the 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 pre meal room where everybody's hanging out in various portions of the house, the kitchen, the family room, well, the there, living room, this room, that people. room? Every room's a, okay, pre, a so, meal room. So why couldn't you just pull the TV out there? Oh come on! To, yeah. did, did you did you ask? No, I didn't. Did ask. she offer? No. She no. <laughs> what about Liz? Because, no. This is where your wife should have helped out a little bit. Uh, no, no, no. This is not did, happening, Kevin. That this is not happening. Did Liz know that there wasn't a TV downstairs? No. Okay, so she was caught off guard. Yeah, also, she was caught off guard too. And and yeah, you, you know whose fault this is? Of course, it's my fault. It's your fault. Of course, it's my okay, fault. Okay, I just want to make sure that you're not about to start blaming you everybody want to else. Know something? Which you usually well, do. Well, I, I mean, you again. You could have mentioned. For anyone who doesn't watch football, for the sinners, she may, for, for the, the sinners, for the outliers, know, there, there's there's no TV to watch football this year. In one of the emails about who's bringing cranberry oh, sauce, oh, you weren't even reading the emails. Bring, I know that, <laughs> so but what's somebody, the, what's the difference? But, but Liz would have told me. Oh, she would have. She would have told okay, me. Okay, well that's probably true, but well, you know what? Save a seat for me next Thanksgiving, baby, because I ain't going <laughs> well, back. Gu guess what? Guess what? My wife and I said after this Thanksgiving. Why? <laughs> Starting next year, we're going away for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. We just decided, you know what? And it was nice that everybody that was there, my sister and, and her husband and her, her their girls were in from Nashville, and it was great to see them. And the crowd that we usually have was basically cut in half, if not two-thirds, really, because my in-laws are out on the West Coast, most of them now, and okay. they didn't come back East. And so um, we, you know, this we've had a we've had forty people on Thanksgiving. Well, that's before. what this was. This was fifteen, I think, we had on on Thursday, which 
Um, and it was fine. And it was fine. And I, I, I think the bigger part, it wasn't the company that we had. It was more or less just putting it together and then cleaning up afterwards. And I just said, you know what, next year, let's go away for Thanksgiving. The Redskins won't play next Thanksgiving. More likely than not, they've played three in a row now. You would think they wouldn't. Hopefully. Although the ratings were through the roof, apparently. Oh, through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Which two years ago, I think the Redskins-Cowboys on Thanksgiving in 2016 was the highest rated game on Fox ever. Yeah, ever. So, so, I mean, they may play, they may play Thanksgiving. Yeah. I you know, know. And, and, you know, that's a good idea. Leaving town. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. So, just so, take me with you. So you you get back. You you watch the entire game. Oh, I watched the game. Okay, so I watched all, all the pain and suffering. So you saw the whole game, and then you leave, and you're expecting to come back, and there's still, if not thirty nine people left, maybe there, are, you know, twenty twenty one people left, and the desserts out because everybody's had the dessert, yeah. and there's pumpkin pie here, and apple pie here, and pecan pie there, etc. And you're thinking that your your son and Liz, you know, kept in your sister-in-law, yes. kept a nice big plate warm for you with some turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing. You don't even eat all that, right? No. What but, do you have, a turkey look, sandwich on Thanksgiving? Here, the turkey sandwich. I get that at Arby's, for God's <laughs> sakes. God, the, you love Arby's. The big, deal, the big deal for me is the mashed potatoes and gravy, you know? Oh. And they ran out of mashed potatoes. Liz said, I can give you a plate of turkey. I said, you know, I could stop at Arby's and get a plate of turkey. <laughs> I mean, I want the mashed potatoes and, and the gravy, and they, they literally ran out. So, And you don't eat dessert, which is no. a shocker to many of us, or yes. to, to most people. I've known well, it for a while. How do you think I got this figure? I know. By I, eating pies and so cakes? So did you make it back in time for the guitars and Feliz Navidad? Uh no, but we well, we did have we did have I mean tell you how big this was. There were people who flew in from Spain to come to this thing. Well, they knew nothing about the football game that <laughs> <laughs> you were you weren't able to watch there. So I, I don't know if I missed all the festivities. I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did because it was pretty much wrapping up by the time I walked in ready to eat and found out there was nothing to eat for oh, me. Oh man, this was so how did the drive home go? Uh, well, Did, were, I mean, you expressed, well, again, let's point you, out something. What? I drove three hours to this place. Right. And I drove three hours back. So I drove six hours for this. Yeah, and you spent three hours in a dive bar yes. watching the game. You could yes. have done that in Frederick. Yes. Easily. <laughs> yes. You could have gone to Olive Garden and watched it, the game. It was me and two other lonely degenerates. Oh boy. In the bar. Well, I'm sorry. It turned out that way. That's too and, bad. And, and it did. And, and you know what? Colt McCoy didn't help my mood. No, I bet he didn't. We'll get to that in a little bit. I I, I will say this. I think ev- almost anybody can sort of empathize, um, simply you know, empathize with your situation because everybody's been in that spot where you go to a dinner party on a Saturday night and your wife says, "Oh no, no, no!" I, you know, Tom and uh, t- Tom and and Jessica, they're great. He's a big football fan. You know, the Notre Dame Michigan game will be on, so don't worry about it. It'll be on. Yeah. They've got a big TV, and then you get over there, and Tom couldn't care less, and <laughs> the dinner party's all in one room, and you're like, "Where's the game?" You know, so it's hard to just leave the room. Um, and, and, but you did, you, you see, now you could have, well, no, cause you had to do the show the next morning. Yes. I was going to say, did you, D, well, you don't even have a DVR. No, I have a DVR, did, but did I didn't you DVR feel the, the game? Need, no, I didn't feel the need to cause I figured I'd be watching it. All right. 
Uh, there you go. Happy Thanksgiving yeah, to happy all Thanksgiving. of Tommy's in-laws. Uh, he won't be coming back. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Um, a couple of things from last night. Um, three things before we get to all of the Colt McCoy stuff and the Redskins stuff. And there's, there's, there's more stuff. Um, first of all, the Caps won again. That's six in a row. Is that all six since Wilson came back? Are they are they six and zero with Wilson? I don't know the answer to that. I probably should have looked to see. I just figured you'd know the answer to that. No, I don't know the answer to okay. it. But uh, he's, I'm going to find out. For he's you had right a here. huge impact on the team and shows how truly valuable he is beyond just the beating up people stuff that he seems to like to do. And as long as he keeps himself under control, uh, he seems to be one of the difference makers for the Caps. No, he is now um, – the the record with him back, he came back on November 13th for the game at Minnesota, which they won. They lost the next game at Winnipeg, and they've won six straight. They've won seven of the eight games since he returned. And during that stretch, Tommy, he's got six goals, six assists. Yeah. He, he, he's an offensive he's force. force that people yeah. didn't see coming, I don't think. Uh, so the Caps have won six in a row, and last night also with the Islanders in town, they no, gave... the Islanders were not in town. I mean, the Caps I'm sorry, the game, in and the, the the game in Brooklyn, which right. is where they play now so with the yeah. crowd, against the Islanders, felt like they were in town. <laughs> but they gave uh, Barry Trotz and his staff uh, their, their Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup rings, rings, which you know. Bear Trotz was very – I mean, he was dropping F-bombs during the thing in a positive way about yeah. how proud, you know, he was to, to well, be a they part did, of it. they did him dirty. They did him dirty. Yeah. I mean, I guess they – you know, I mean, it's, they, it's they, odd. They didn't, want, but... they didn't want to pay the, the coach who won the Stanley Cup championship for him. That's the only reason he's not there. They didn't want to pay Well, him. they would have paid him had they not had somebody they felt was completely capable of stepping in and oh, taking they over had him. Oh, so, they would have had – they they would have had a coach in waiting, no matter who it was. Once Barry Barry's uh, contract was up, they would have had somebody on the staff, whether it was Reards or somebody else. They would have planned for, and a good organization would plan for that in case the coach would leave on his own. But I don't think they planned on winning the Stanley Cup, and then uh, they didn't want to pay the coach who won it. So now Reards is the coach, and we'll see how he does. All right, the Wizards won last night. They beat Houston in overtime, 135-130. Everybody's very excited. Um, they are? Yes. Really? Very excited about the big win. Well, it was it was a you know, it was a big topic this morning on some of the national shows which I had on in the background because James Harden had 54, Eric Gordon had 36. The combined 90 points from their backcourt is the second most in NBA history. Um, Kobe Bryant and Smush Parker w- went for 94 in 2006. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's that was the record. I mean, I was wondering as they were building towards this, this combined at one, you know, at one point it was like 44 and 30. And I'm like, man, they are rolling up some numbers for a backcourt. 90 combined, 54 and 36. Look, Wall and Beal went 36, 32. Yeah, I know. They it's combined hard to for 68. Curry and Thompson didn't have Don't have. That. I agree with you. Yeah. As an aside, have you seen the video? TMZ re- released the video of the car accident that Steph Curry was involved in last week uh-huh. or over the weekend. Man, he, he it was it was frightening. You got a car that's coming right over the top of his car as he's getting pushed into the guardrail. Um, he's lucky he walked away from that. Uh, but the, I guess people might be excited because since the 2-9 and nine start, 
The Wizards are six and three. I know. Since that two and nine start. Now, there are a couple of things I want to get to before we get to that and whether or not there's legitimate reason to be excited. I still watch this team, Tommy, and they are prone to stretches of summer league defense and poorly thought out offense that I just can't believe exists at that level. I like Scott Brooks personally. I've had him on the radio show so many times. I've had I've had him on this podcast once, twice maybe, just once, um, uh, once already. And he's such a good guy. And one of the reasons I like him a lot is he loves being here. You know, I don't know if you've had that conversation with him. He loves DC. He was in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know almost anything is probably a step up. But last night, at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, there's a possession um, where John Wall, they're up one with 24 seconds to go, and he decides to go one on four on a fast break. You talk about low IQ basketball in that spot. Now, Houston answered with a stupid play on their own. Um, But then at the very end of regulation... Does it ever get old? Because it's so exciting to watch John Wall take the last shot of a game, isn't it? Because it always works out. I mean, we're sitting there, and I'm watching with my son last night. And I'm like, you know what's going to happen. He goes, yep, ball's going to go into Wall, and everybody's going to watch Wall, and he's going to miss a shot, and we're going to overtime. Like, the chance of overtime with nine seconds to go in a tie game with the Wizards is like 95%. Because, look, Beal's not any better. In closing out a game. But there it goes into John Wall. He didn't even get a shot off. Couldn't even get a shot off. Eric Gordon basically stole the ball with him with a second left. And then Houston had a chance to win the game. And then I couldn't believe this one. And this is coaching. Sorry. It is. But they are up three in overtime, Tommy, with 1.9 seconds left uh, after Eric Gordon, I think it was Gordon, hits a free throw. And Brooks does the right thing. He calls a timeout to advance the ball. You don't want to inbound the ball underneath their basket, okay, Um, in that particular uh, position up three. You want to advance the ball so that in the event you're having a difficult time, you can throw it towards your rim, and then they've got to throw it 90 feet because they had no timeouts left. Right. Houston had no timeouts left, and then they got to make an, you know, an 80 to 90 footer to force double overtime. So that was a good move. Um, and then they go to throw the ball in bounds. And where do they throw it? Into the backcourt. Back towards their own, uh, Houston's bucket. Are you kidding? And I'm like, the last, the, the first thing you say in that huddle as a coach, okay, we are not going to make a pass into the backcourt here. All right. Do are we all do we all agree on that? Like if, <laughs> if we turn it over, throwing it in towards our bucket here, they got to make a 90 footer, an 80 footer. To, uh, so we're not going to throw it in that direction because, God forbid, it gets stolen. The guy pulls up from three and hits it. And there the ball goes into the backcourt. And I'm like, it's they're just not – you know, I, I said this a lot about Scott Brooks when he was at Oklahoma City. I've had this conversation with Legler a lot. And, you know, it, it's just very, very disorganized. And I, he's not the only one. And I, I know I say this about Jay Gruden a lot too. Um, but, but he's not. You know, the NBA's really evolved into this ISO, you know, one ball screen type of game, except for the really good teams, right. you know, that, that play more three, four, and five man basketball, offensive basketball. But the Wizards aren't alone in the way they play. I mean, watch Houston play. I mean, it's James Harden 
down the stretch, every possession basically is the only guy that I know, touches but the ball. In part, but, in part, but it's James Harden. Yeah, but but they didn't have their ball. They didn't have their best ball handler for the game. Chris yeah, Paul. They didn't. That, I mean, that might not be the case if Chris Paul is in the game. It probably isn't the case, but it might be because that's yeah, what Houston does with Harden a lot. And look, Brooks had two true superstars in Oklahoma City, in Durant and Westbrook. So. You know, you can look at their accomplishment and say, well, you know, he's doing the same thing here, but he's doing it with lesser players. I mean, Beal and Wall. I know they believe yes. they're at Durant and Westbrook's level, but they're not. They're not even close. Like the debate, um, my, my, my son Corbin was saying this to me the other day. Remember when we were having the debate about Westbrook and Wall or, or Kyrie Irving and Wall? It's not a debate anymore. John Wall's just not in that class. And last night, by the way, statistically, he had a great game. He had 36 points. I think he had double-digit assists. Um, but th- the end of these games are, are just painful to watch. My God, put a little bit of structure in there. Make sure your team doesn't do the one thing that could potentially cost you the game. There's only one thing on that inbounds pass, and that is throwing it into the backcourt, having it stolen, and having somebody pull up and knock down a a 28-footer, 30-footer at the buzzer to force a second overtime. If you throw it in the other direction, your chance of winning the game is 100%. I I guess somebody could catch it and then throw it 985 feet, but it's okay. It's 99.9999%. You're right. right. I, I don't I don't understand that. And maybe he did give instruction to to do that, and they just don't pay any attention to him, which, by the way, I think is possible. Um, now, to the conversation about what you say people are excited about this 6-3 and three stretch. Look, they've beaten Miami, Orlando, Cleveland, New Orleans without Anthony Davis, right. Houston without Chris Paul. Um, they had a pretty good win against a Clippers team that was pretty hot coming in. Um, but they may have been on the back half of a back-to-back, too. I'll check that. Um, so on I know pe- the Pelicans were. Yeah, the, well, the Pelicans the Pelicans were, but they didn't have Anthony Davis. But they didn't have Anthony Davis. Yeah, they didn't have Anthony Davis. So there's nothing, like, overly impressive about this stretch. You know, they, know. they got down 17 to start the game last night again. It's so typical It's uh, of them. They, they look disinterested when the game starts. Six of the next seven, Tommy, for them are on the road. Now, it's not the hardest of road schedules. They've got Atlanta in there, the Knicks, the Nets. Um, Cleveland, I think, is in that stretch. I'm just not seeing it, though. No, I'm not seeing it. They are still the same team. That's what I'm seeing. Th- that Bradley Beal, in practice, screamed and pointed to the general manager and said it starts at the top. It's They're still part. the same team that John Wall throws fits in in practice. They are still a mess. And John Wall... It, it's turned out to have been an absolute disaster of an investment. His contract is is his contract is Gilbert like in terms of this team's ability to unload him now at this point. I mean, he has at one point I think at, in like four or five years he has a player option for forty six million dollars, a player option that would pay him forty six million dollars, uh, and and look. If he can't shoot now in the NBA, what, 10 years in the league, he's never going to be able – he's never going to shoot. So he – you have a point guard who can't shoot, who, who's, who's making – like who's going to be making over $30 million a year next year, is supposedly, quote, your team leader, 
who you know you can't count on to sometimes even show up for practice. Yeah, I mean, the difference between he and Gill is that Gill actually was at that point where he physically wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. Right, but the you contract know? was still... No, they, no, they, the were contra- lucky. they were lucky they found Otis Thorpe to take Gilbert's contract off well, their this hands. This is where I've said to you before, and I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want to start this debate now because I said to you last week, I actually said to you a few years ago, I'm fine with them moving on from Ernie. But that's where Ernie's actually, as you've called him, the arsonist and the fireman at the same time. He starts the fire and then he's able to put him out. And the Gilbert Arenas trade and you know, and, and, and the Kwame Brown trade, and a lot of them were, were I just basically fires I just don't know how out, although he didn't draft Kwame Brown. I don't know how um, anyone's going to pull off the John Wall trade, but this this team is is a train wreck still, and we haven't even gotten, you know, we and we may never get to it. We haven't even gotten to the Dwight Howard dysfunction part of the season yet because he can't even play. Well, how about the relationship, according to some reports, with a transgendered person, and then sort of threats to keep that person quiet, which is the worst of the two situations yeah. there. Uh, for most of you, some some of you, the whole thing's bad. I mean, that that was a shitstorm on Saturday night on Twitter yeah. to follow all of that yes, and listen was, to but, some of the recordings of that. Uh, but, you know, to me... Was he, was he at the game last night? Because, you know, he's he out with not, this... I don't think he was not at the game. Yeah, something... I'm wondering if he's going to return. Well, he may not. He may can, not. Can we get to the Beal thing real quickly, okay. though? Did you did you had another thought though you were going to finish up with? No, I was just going to say that uh, my my point is we haven't even gotten to the Dwight <laughs> Howard dysfunction, dysfunction part may, of the season yet. We may never we, get there. And we may not. So Chris Sheridan, who's an NBA reporter, longtime NBA reporter, very respected, NBA very writer. respected NBA writer for a long time, um, reported tweeted out yesterday, "quote Bradley Beal has made it." Um, known in no uncertain terms that he wants out of Washington pronto, closed quote. Now, post-game last night, Dennis Scott for NBA TV um, interviewed Beal, and Beal totally denied it and said, if it doesn't come out of my mouth, it's not true, and it ha- it's, it's not come out of my mouth. His agent denied it as well. Uh, and then Chris Sheridan basically— Chris Sheridan d- tweeted this morning, uh, certain things happen behind closed doors— at practice, for instance, but word gets out, and that's what has happened here. I'm just going to tell you this: if they, if there's a good package, I am fine with saying goodbye to Bradley Beal. But not this guy, not not with this general manager. Well, no, this is what he's been good at. No, 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 he, no, no, no. He's been good at trades. Uh, Kevin, it, it would, it would, it would be. Oh my gosh, you know. I, I can't even talk about him anymore. I can't even talk about how unbelievable it is that he still has a job and what it, and I I feel I feel I, I'm not a very empathetic guy. No, you're not. But if I I, I, I feel in-laws. what Wizards fans feel. I feel that 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 sense of disbelief. It's really at this point, it's disbelief. How can this continue? How can Ted Leonsis, who's supposedly a visionary, be so blind about this. How can he continue to block uh, 
fans on Twitter who tell him to fire Ernie. How can he continue? Does, does he block people on Twitter? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. Are and, you and, serious? And, and for, for those who want him to fire Ernie. He blocks people on I Twitter? Look, I block tweet people I on Twitter, I know you do, too. and I think, I think that's stupid. It's, well, it, it reflects incredible sensitivity. But I, I expect it from you. <laughs> I don't expect it from the vision, the AOL visionary. It's just that <laughs> it's... it's it's oh, indescribable. Don't block people. It's Good unbelievable. God. It's it, there's there are no words to explain why Ernie Grunfeld is still in that job. Um, so one of the deals proposed that I read about, and I don't know if there th- apparently there's been some conversation about both Wall and Beal with various people. You know the the Wizards. Apparently, we're also interested in Jimmy Butler, which I last year said I would have given up the entire team for Kawhi Leonard, and I said I would have given up almost the entire team. Count me in for Jimmy Butler. Um, but one of the potential trades um, that I saw or is being discussed potentially is Beal to L.A. for Brandon Ingram. I'm a big Brandon Ingram fan, um, but if Ernie could get one other player out of that deal from Magic Johnson, and that player's name is Josh Hart, and I know that that probably is too much, although it is Beal, and Beal's much more accomplished than Ingram at this point and and Hart at this point. But if you told me right now that I could get Ingram and Hart back for Beal in a second, I would do it. Here's the problem with Beal. I'm sick of him. He is... In in so many on so many nights and on so many playoff nights over the last several years, I've been more frustrated with him than I have even with John Wall. Bradley Beal, you know, the, he he's got talent. All right, he can really shoot it. He can score. He's only twenty five. There's a lot of things that you know you'd be taking a risk on by dealing him. His maturity on court, I'm not saying off court, I've heard, we've had him on the show before, I've heard him in other interviews, I think he's thoughtful, he sounds smart, I think he's probably a great dude, I'm not going to deny any of that, but like John, they're just absent moments on the court, like just brain lapses. First of all, Beal's not a good ball handler. I said this when they drafted him. I said he's not a good ball handler, and he's going to be a turnover machine in the pros, and he hasn't really been a turnover machine necessarily because he doesn't handle it as much as Wall does. I've never seen a guy expose the ball off off the bounce more than he does, which is why he, he gets it picked from him more than any player on the team. Um, I love Beal's. I, look when he when when he spots up to shoot, or he comes off a screen to shoot, or I also think he's got a good mid range game. I think he's a much better creator of points than John Wall, which is why I never understand. I would let Beal take those last shots, and he hasn't closed out games either. But he still would be my choice over Wall. But defensively, he's way overrated because he's another guy that only does it when he's interested. There are too many games in which I, I think back, you know, game two in Boston two years ago when they had a chance to steal one in Boston in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and he was but awful. I think he had like nine turnovers, couldn't make a shot, and it was just painful to watch him. And he's had those. Now, he's had great series like the Toronto series. He was awesome in that in that series in 2015 or 14, whenever it was, when they swept Toronto. I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm done with Beal. 
Like, I'm ready to move on from Beal more than I am from Wall. But anyone who you bring so give in. Me, give me Ingram and, yeah. and Josh Hart in a second. But 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 they're going to have to play with John Wall, and that's the problem. Well, Josh Hart could play with John Wall, and Ingram could play with John Wall, because Ingram, you know, Ingr- Ingram's going to give you, you know, he he's he's got some versatility. Tommy, he's got he's got extraordinary talent. Here's what I would love about a Josh Hart: they haven't had a badass competitor like Josh Hart on the team since my boy left. Trevor Ariza. So I, I um, I, I would think about that. I, you know, I'm sure somebody will come up with a thousand reasons that I haven't thought of as to why it wouldn't work with Ingram and Hart. But the Wizards should be considering all of those deals. And I know you say it shouldn't be considered by Ernie Grunfeld, but now may be the time to move on this stuff. And I don't have a problem with Ernie trying to get uh, and extract real value in a trade. I think his I think his analysis and I think his talent evaluation from a uh, from a draft standpoint has been poor over a long period of time, and it's hurt the organization. Kevin, he doesn't value character. I think I think you've got a point on that. And and, and if he's Andre Bloch for guys, is, is a is example one for he, that. He doesn't he doesn't value character, and now he's got a team where their three biggest investments: Bradley Beal wants to be traded, John Wall is screaming at the coach, and Otto Porter is hiding in a corner somewhere, <laughs> not to be yeah, found. He had some, he had some big plays in overtime last night. I know, but but generally the complaint about Otto Porter is is is, is he's too shy. Period. Oh, it's shy. On the court. Shy. I mean, every single time he's contacted with, you, you'd think literally he, he got shot. I, you know, Otto Porter's funny because I, I think he's too soft, um, and I've always felt that about him. But at the same time, there are moments where Otto Porter gives you a lot in a game. He does so many different things. He's not worth what he's being paid. Uh Anyway, I don't think that this six and three stretch is like a lot to get excited about. I think they should be looking to blow this thing up, trying to get as much value for their players as possible. Young, competitive, good personality fits. You know, a good, I mean, like you said, he doesn't value sort of that that personality piece. And uh, there, but there's one. They'd thing, be getting the right personality in Josh Hart and, and Brandon Ingram, I believe. There's one thing that has to happen first. Though. I'm listening. Ted has to sell the team. Well, it's not going to sell the team. Sell the Wizards, Ted. (laughs) Ted Leones says, sell the Wizards. You said owning a sports team was a public trust. You've betrayed that trust to the Wizards fans. God, it's amazing to me that you're you're so much on like think about this. You know, here's the tease on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast today. Tommy's gonna ask that an owner in town sell the team. What are the odds it would be anybody <laughs> but, but Dan, Dan Snyder. Snyder? And he wants Ted Leonsis <laughs> to sell the Wizards. Um He could take that money. And invest it in bookies and geeks. His two <laughs> yeah. favorite well, interests. Well, all of Gamb- his... Gambling and, and esports. Oh, God. All of his, you know, AOL and techie cronies are all going to take down Vegas with their predictive modeling sports betting expertise. Good God, how irresponsible that is from someone who's supposed to be intelligent. Uh, if you are intelligent, you should be thinking about Window Nation. Window Nation loves this podcast. Harley, Aaron, and, and Eric listen all the time. Harley, if you're listening today, which I'm sure you are, you texted me on Saturday and Sunday for my smell test picks because you missed them on Friday, I guess. And I sent all of them to you. And then late Sunday night, 
he sends me a text like I had a rough day, and I'm like, how could you have had a rough day? I I'm 13 and four. <laughs> And he said, essentially, oh, I didn't really pay attention to what you text. Then don't ask me for my picks <laughs> if you're not going to use them. But anyway, I love Harley. I love Aaron. I love Eric. I love everybody at Window Nation. I've had Window Nation install windows in my home twice over the last 10 years. And I promise you, you can't go wrong by giving them a call. Time is running out right now on Window Nation's deal of the year. This week is the final week for the buy two windows, get two free, buy four, get four free, buy six, get six free with no limit. Plus, it's the final week of the year for 0% financing for five full years. Save that well-earned money to splurge on your family, friends, and yourself this holiday. Temperatures are falling. You're feeling that cold air coming into your home. It's only going to get colder over the next few months, and your energy bills are starting to rise. Now is the time to get those windows replaced. Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. This is the final week of the best offer of the year from Window Nation. It absolutely, it absolutely ends on Sunday. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free with no limit, plus 0% interest for five full years. 866-90-NATION to save thousands on your windows and your energy bills. Use for holiday shopping this season. You'll save today, save tomorrow. You'll save forever. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. All right, I want to get to Colt McCoy in a moment, but I want to really quickly talk about the Monday night game last night. Because to me, and I've said this a few times, Aaron, on this podcast, that I thought Houston would be a dangerous team in January when they got there because defense travels. And if you look at the the other teams, Kansas City doesn't have a defense. New England's defense is usually a smoke and mirrors defense anyway. Houston's got legitimate stars on defense, you know, in Clowney and Watt, et cetera. Um, and this guy, Christian uh, Covington, um, uh, the, the kid from Rice now is, is, is piling up uh, sack after sack. They've got stars on offense, too, in yeah. Deshaun Watson and yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think they are a Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. And here's the thing. It's not impossible at all that Houston's going to rise in terms of the seeding. You know, number one, Kansas City has not locked up the number one seed. I know that they have been incredible all season long and how exciting they've been, but the the Chiefs are not an absolute lock at this point for sure to have the one seed. They're 9-2. and Houston's 8-3. and You know, Kansas City still has Baltimore, the Chargers, the Seahawks on the road. And, you know, if Houston's playing at home, they could definitely get to the Super Bowl. But more than some of these other teams, I I always feel this way, and maybe it's a new era, and and I will be proven wrong in 2018. And I've sort of been proven wrong in the last few years because Atlanta didn't have a great defense, and they got to the Super Bowl, and we've seen other cases of that more recently. But defense travels, and defense travels outdoors well. I, I so, know it does. I know it does. Houston but, at New England or Houston at Arrowhead, I think they could do it. But if you have too much offense, the defense is irrelevant. But Houston think, has a lot of offense I, too, I, Tommy. I, I think the Chiefs have too much offense. I don't. I you know what? I, I don't see anybody in the AFC beating the Chiefs. I do. I I see the Chiefs going all the way to the Super Bowl where they'll get destroyed by the Saints. But uh, I just think they have too much offense. Just just too much. Nobody can contain them. We've, I mean, you can outshoot them. But you can't contain them, and Houston can't outshoot them. They can't move; their offense can't move that quickly. 
if if Kansas City were to make it to the Super Bowl, um, I think right now, based on current numbers, they would be the lowest ranked defense in history to make a Super Bowl. They're either dead last or they're thirty first okay. right now Saints, in overall defense. The, the Saints had a pretty bad defense. The they, year that it was, they, but it was like twenty second. Yeah. Okay. Kansas City's right now. Hold on. Let me get it here. Uh, okay, they're thirtieth. They're thirtieth right now. What were you going to say? The 2011 Patriots were 31st. No, they were 31st. The 2000 in, in NFL or in yards allowed. Okay, in yards allowed. Then I, st- I stand corrected because I I thought it was the New Orleans team um, that was the lowest ranked. So defense. did I actually. What was Atlanta a few years ago? What were they ranked defensively? They the, see they they got after the quarterback though. Um, see, I just think in this day and age. If you have a, an explosive quick strike offense uh, and you can score in basically four plays, go 80 yards down the field, it really doesn't matter what your defense you might, does. Y- look, here's the, here's the difference, though. We're not talking about the Houston team of the past that had no offense and had great defense. I know that. That, that you know had a chance in Foxborough a couple of years ago. Um, you're talking about a dynamic offensive football I know, team I know, in Houston. You're talking about a good offensive football team. Right, we're talking about a, a, an offensive football team that's continuing to get better, that has legit playmaking speed, and really, Tommy, a quarterback that may be right now in terms of the dual-threat quarterbacks, the best. The best. He may be. I tell you what, also, I came away from Monday night thinking the Redskins played the, the, the Texans tough. Uh, yeah, they did. They really did. Well, they did when Colt McCoy got into the game to score <laughs> two touchdowns. <laughs> I know. But they played the, – uh, the Texans were not as impressive against the Redskins as they were against the Titans. Uh, one other thing from last night's game real quickly. the um, Marcus Mariota last night was 22 of 23 in that game. All right, for over 300 yards – Two touchdowns, no picks in the game. But he's got no pocket presence. None. Um, I, I disagree with that. I, there are times where, he, I, I know what you're saying, there are times with Mariota, it's like, how didn't you feel that or see it? And then there are times when he does feel it and he makes you pay for it. He was 22 of 23 for 303 yards and two touchdowns. That is the second highest completion percentage game in NFL history, minimum 20 passing attempts. Number one happened on Sunday when Philip Rivers went 28 of 29, completing his first 25 passes. What was the record before that? Um, Mark Brunel. It was in the game at Houston. Yeah, Mark Brunel. Was, his jersey what, was at his. This, I thought some. I thought somebody drive else. Andy Poland nuts that his jersey was at at uh, Canton for for holding that record. I thought somebody else had had beaten that, but you, you might be right. But in the last two days. Sunday, late Sunday, and then Monday night, the two highest completion percentage games in NFL history. And I believe right now we are on pace um, for the best completion percentage by a a quarterback um, in NFL history. Drew Brees right now is completing 76.4% of his passes. So, And and how can you say that and and mention defense in the same breath? Look, I am interested to see what happens. In January, in a cold outdoor venue like Arrowhead or Foxborough, with a really good defensive football team. Houston would be one of those really good yeah. defensive football teams. I've mentioned this all year long, and the defense has been up and down recently. Baltimore's talent defensively and some of the experience should travel well also. Houston is a much better offensive team 
than Baltimore. Much better. See, Houston now is starting to roll up some yards and points, and yeah, they look. They Tennessee's yeah, and, a good defensive football team, Tommy, and yes. they destroyed them last yes, night. They did. Destroyed them. So I, um, oh, I wanted to mention one other thing about Mariota about Rivers on Sunday setting that record. Brady unsolicited um, after. Actually, this may have been last night. You know Brady does that Westwood one Monday night football halftime hit with Jim Gray? I think it is, Aaron. Is it with Jim Gray that he does that? You don't know? Um, So last night, Brady unsolicited talked about Rivers Day, and he said, quote, it's nearly impossible, which is the reason why it has never been done before. Phillip made incredible throws. I watched the game because they played at 1 o'clock. Obviously, when someone has a record-breaking performance, I want to figure out what the heck they're doing. Um, the reality is there's a high level of difficulty on, on almost all the throws he made. He made great throws where the receivers could get their hands on the ball and make the catch. The receivers made some good catches. Really, the incompletion came where he got a hit a little bit uh, as he was ready to complete a pass. It was just remarkable. I was thinking as Brady, you know, as I, I was reading those comments from Brady, does Brady ever compliment anybody else? Like, you don't hear Brady go... You wouldn't even hear Brady talk, you know, in that sort of way about Peyton Manning. Oh, I'll bet he has. Maybe. I it, bet he has. I don't Brady's know. I don't not a big, Brady's not a big unsolicited, let me talk about how great another quarterback is. No. No. You know, I wonder if he was asked. He could have been. I but, mean, if but, he was asked. But he had all the – I mean, there's more. There's like another two paragraphs yeah. of quotes on Philip Rivers from Brady. I've been, as you know, a huge Philip Rivers fan for years, and and I think he is a lock first ballot Hall of Famer. I really am rooting for him to get the playoff success. I want them to get in. I think that you know defensively, they, they've missed Bosa. They haven't been as consistent now. And now Melvin Gordon's hurt. Yeah, you know it always seems that with the Chargers, it's like bad luck with injuries or with a missed kick or whatever. I hope it breaks their way. They have had a problem, though, with the Chiefs. You know, last year they had that big game to get to the playoffs late in the season at Arrowhead and got blown out. Um, This year in the opener, that was really, you know, they've got uh, three losses. They lost to Denver uh, a week ago, and then they lost to the Rams and the Chiefs. Like I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going go to go that they can go to Pittsburgh Sunday night and win, or go to Arrowhead and win. I don't have the same confidence in them that I had a couple weeks ago. That's for sure. I mean, I, I'm hoping for it. I would love to see that, but right now I think the odds are Rivers would have to win three road games to get to the Super Bowl, and the three road games might be, you know, uh, let's just say they're the five seed. So it might be at Houston or at Pittsburgh or at New England in a wild card round and then to, you know, Kansas Kansas City or or somebody like that in a divisional round and then to Foxborough. I can't see him winning three road games like that. No, I'll I, be rooting for it, but I, I don't I, see it. I'm rooting all along for the Chargers and the Rams to, to make it to the Super Bowl. So we have an all Los Angeles Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of unique. Do you think there's any chance that they'll move the Chargers back to San Diego? And, and and admit that mistake. Or I don't is think. The, I, I think they're going to let the new stadium play out yeah. and see how it goes. All right, let's get to what everybody's been waiting for. It took <laughs> us a little while. Um, we had a lot to get through, uh, and that is Tommy's son, Colt McCoy. I thought you forgot his favorite son, Colt McCoy. I, I'll just start with this. How do you think he played well, against he, the Cowboys? He was terrible. He was horrible. I mean, some of those throws. I mean, were were inexplicable. 
I mean, I didn't I didn't make throws like that at J.M. Hill on on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> you had a, you had a football game on Thanksgiving? Well, we used to. Yeah, we did too. But uh, he was terrible, and and you know there's there's no getting around it. He had moments where he looked really good, uh, but uh, I mean some of those interceptions were 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 uh, that mentality of a guy trying to force something, uh, and he that's not going to change. He pretty much has said that's who I am. I'm going to give guys a chance to make a play. So he, this guy is is, is really. The, I mean, this is Jay Gruden's quarterback. This is a guy who, who even if he has to throw it in, in the middle of three guys, he's going to give his receivers a chance to make a play. Um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but uh, Jay Gruden yesterday emphasized the turnovers as being a big problem. But he also said, "Well, we didn't get any back either for the first time this year," which yeah. is true. Yes, you know they, they you know they they didn't lose the turnover battle on Thanksgiving Day. They got crushed in it. Minus three isn't going to work against anybody for this team. In fact, even hasn't even worked for this team. They've got to be plus. You know, it's interesting. I, I actually, and I talked a lot about this on Friday's podcast, the day after the game, you can't, I mean, you have to start with the three interceptions, one of which was just a great play by a defensive yes, player, Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, it wasn't a great block by uh, Morgan, Morgan Moses. Moses. Uh, but but beside that, that you, you have to start with that, and you have to say, well, he's not going to be successful if he throws three interceptions in a game. We know that. With that said, there were things he did that I was encouraged by. I wasn't discouraged by. If you're Jordan Reed... You're probably pretty happy. Vernon Davis that, that also. Colt McCoy is the quarterback right now. Well, Vernon Davis probably was happy with with Alex Smith yeah. when he caught the ball. Um, I, I I didn't think he was terrible. Look, you know my feeling about Colt McCoy. He's a he's an NFL backup quarterback. If you start him for 16 games, if you've got a great team around him, you're going eight and eight, nine and seven at best. And without a great team, he's a six and ten quarterback. And so that's always been my feeling about Colt, but. Before the game, as you and I sat here a week ago, you know, I was cautiously optimistic that the offense would look better with Colt McCoy. And I think we did see some of that. They moved the they moved the football more consistently than they had with Alex Smith. And one of the questions, you know, I sort of posed to myself on the Friday podcast, now I can do it with you and pose it to you, is do you think the result would have been different had Alex Smith started the game on Thanksgiving Day? No, absolutely not. And here, here's what I think. It, it's not going to matter who plays quarterback for the Redskins, whether it's Colt McCoy or Alex Smith. If they can't do two things that they did at the beginning of the year when they were winning six games and Alex Smith was the quarterback, if they can't run the ball and they can't stop the run, they can't do those things, it won't matter who's playing quarterback. They're not going to win. I mean, Alex Smith, look, let's not forget the conversation we had earlier this year numerous times, that they were winning games in spite of the quarterback, not because of the quarterback. So it wouldn't have mattered. Again, they can't seem to stop anybody running the ball now. Uh, and they, behind this offensive line, and I'm thinking that's maybe the reason they can't seem to run the ball like they were. Well, so, no Brandon Sheriff is the right, big yeah, reason yeah, on that. Yeah, so you've got, you've got two – to, part, their formula for winning at the beginning of the year was running the ball, stopping the run, and good special teams play, which created short fields. They're missing two of those components right now. 
I, unless that changes, it, it won't matter how good or bad Colt McCoy is. I think you're 100% right. Uh, I think that they got to five and two because they had a top five rush defense and they had a top eight rush offense. And Alex Smith benefited from that and would have been hampered significantly by the lack of both, which is what you've had here yes. the last few weeks. And I got into a debate with my buddy O, who I called out on this podcast yesterday because he's the guy that after every Kirk Cousins bad game will send me basically a war and peace thesis on uh, how bad Kirk Cousins is. And then when he plays great, I never hear from him. <laughs> you know, So I, I called him and all the other front runners out to say, when he plays great like he did Sunday night, how about just maybe a quick text to me to say, hey, your boy was really good. <laughs> because, by the way, that's the majority of the games he's yes. good in. Yes, he is. Um, but uh, we had this debate about Alex Smith because my buddy O's a big Alex Smith fan. And he's like, you know, they... This, this he's is, not a big Alex Smith oh, fan. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. He is. No, no. Some of these, some, he, there are people out there that he's think... He's a not Kirk fan. No, no, no. There are people out there that think that the whole key to you know success is not turning the ball over like Kirk somehow leads the league in interceptions Kevin, you know we're I follow but I don't this on social media yes, I I, you've given him you're giving him way too much credit it's an anti-Kirk uh, okay. reasoning it has nothing to do with here's, Alex Smith. Here's, here's what I would just say Alex Smith threw two picks against the best defensive team he had faced in several weeks Houston I, he may have thrown two more picks against Dallas. Yeah, be, you know, and because he, because but, they were asking him to do more because that right. running game was gone. Here's the thing: the trade-off would have been less offense for fewer turnovers. I don't think he would have thrown three interceptions. Probably in the game, not. Okay, and the result to me, I think probably would have been the same. Yeah. I mean, who knows? The turnovers, one of them, I think one of the turnovers set up points. The other sort of took points off the board. But back to Colt McCoy, where this conversation started, because you thought he was terrible. And the three interceptions, you can't erase and you can't even get past. But I would just say, not trying to make excuses for him, because I'm not a big Colt McCoy fan, as you know, but he didn't have a practice Leading up to it, they had a walkthrough, which, by the way, in hindsight... It's pretty lame. It's lame. Very lame. It's a lame. mistake. Yes. You know? Not the first one by this coaching no, staff. No, no, not even close. Um, and now he's going to have all of this practice time leading up to it. And I did see some things that indicated that the offense is going to be a little bit more potent. A little bit more potent. But again, which they he, may he, need. He may be helpless at, at this point though. Well you gotta have some you gotta have at least the threat of a running game yeah, you from do. your running back. Yeah, you do. And now Chris Thompson practiced I know. this week. That would be huge. That for would them. be huge. I mean and, and against you know the ironic thing though, against the Eagles, and we could talk about this more on Thursday. But against the Eagles, even though we talk about the running game, they need to throw the ball against the Eagles. The Eagles are terrible on, on pass defense. Yeah, but you know what they and, actually, they and they need to they need to put four or five guys out wide. They need to line Chris Thompson up out wide. And and and, and if Jamison Crowder's available, line him up. And Trey Quinn, line him up. They they need to they need to they need to gunsling against the Eagles. I was talking to Cooley yesterday. Yesterday, I think it was, and I said, um, 
Crowder comes back, which of the two plays on the outside? And he goes, it's not even close. Trey Quinn moves to the outside. And they go, really? He's just such the slot guy, isn't he? You know, he just looks like a Patriots kind of white slot guy. Quickness, hands, the whole thing. He's like, no, he's he can play on the outside. And they know he can play on the outside. He's incredibly versatile. Um, so that surprised me a bit. So... Those of you that have had the conversation about, well, what happens when Crowder comes back since Trey Quinn all of a sudden has emerged as a pretty good player, they're going to play them both. Well, they're going to put, put their best play. players on the field. Yes. But I, I do really believe that Chris Thompson has been missed so, so desperately. And I don't know if this fractured rib, you know, that's one of those things. He's got to be healthy to play. Yeah, he does. He's got to be legitimately healthy to play. And I hope it's against Philadelphia because he's had some big games against the Eagles over the years. But but I wanted to say this before I lose this thought. You're right. Philadelphia was a good defensive team. Then the injuries happened, and they've got all backups in the secondary. So you, you can throw the football. But recently, they've been giving up chunk run yards, too, that's against true. teams. I, I think... They have a chance Monday night. I think I they really do too. I really do think they have a chance Monday night. I'm not, I didn't see a Philadelphia team figure it out down 19 to 3 to the Giants. No, I think they have a chance as well. But the defense has to play better than it has. I mean, the defense has, has, to, has to do a better job. Much better job. I mean, much better job. Let me tell you something about Colt McCoy. I think. Does he know how much you like him? He does, right? I think he does. Yeah. I, I, I think he does. And, and look, I, I like him personally because of, like everybody else who knows him, likes him He's personally. He's a great guy. But I think, and we've had this discussion many times about other things, I believe he can play quarterback in the NFL because I've had players on that team tell me privately and publicly. I've had coaches tell me privately and publicly over the past four years that he can play. That he can he can really play in the NFL. So I nobody's again, backed it up though. I know nobody's backed it up with hey here's a contract to become no, our starter. Nobody has because once you get tagged as a sparring partner, it's hard to envision a guy as a champ. Larry Holmes dealt with this his entire career. Once you're the sparring partner, once you're the backup quarterback, well, that sparring partner eventually got yeah, <laughs> but, got, but, got his employer. But it's hard to at shake. Years it's, old. it's hard to shake that. And I don't know if Colt McCoy will ever do that at this point. My point is, Jay Gruden, we've heard from we've heard from D'Angelo Hall, we've heard from Clinton Portis. Jay Gruden really thinks that Colt McCoy can play. Okay, that's not BS. He really likes him. He th- and, and not particularly just play, but play his offense. Okay? My contention is, if Colt McCoy is a failure, this is the biggest thing thing against uh, Jay Gruden. This is where I was going to go next. Yes, this 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 oh. more more than any other quarterback situation. If you want to judge Jay Gruden, judge him on Colt McCoy. I wanted to t- take that on as a conversation here, but I, I have to get in a read here okay. for one of our sponsors. Okay, go right and, ahead. And that sponsor is <laughs> Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. They should be on your list if you're considering something new. Go to FarishCars.com right now to see their live inventory and best deals. I talked to Ralph yesterday, in fact, um, for 15, 20 minutes. Uh, he's, he wants to go to a Wizards game soon, so I'm gonna get, we'll go to a Wizards game and do dinner. You can come with us if you want. 
Um, but I, I see my buddies. Yeah, well, down we, at the arena. Do you remember? Do you remember the time you and I went to a Wizards game together? It may have been a playoff game, or maybe we had to go down there with clients. I forget. And we were walking into the arena as Ted was driving into the parking lot, and he rolled his window down and yelled something to you. Yeah. Do you remember? I forget what it was. And he, I think it was something about your more recent column uh, that he that he yelled something out. I will tell you that there is no more sensitive owner in town than Ted Leonsis. No. None. <laughs> um, Farish, they're not sensitive. Uh, they're tough, but they're smart too. Uh, Ralph Perkins and Kevin Farish understand what their customers want, and they make it easy for them. I promise you that if you give them a chance, they won't disappoint. They've got plenty of inventory on their lot right now. Whatever you're looking for, you'll likely find it in the make, model, and color and be able to drive it off the lot today. Now, they've got the best rebates they've had all year long. They're trying to get rid of all their inventory by the end of the year. This is what happens with car dealerships. They've got a lot full of vehicles, and they want to move them by the end of the year so they can get new shipments in. In, in January, and what that creates is a is a very good deal opportunity for the consumer. You right now, the Jeep Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, the Wrangler, lots of all three of those vehicles on the lot in the best deals of the year on all three of them. Same goes for the Ram pickup. Uh, if you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new, I give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to Farish. They're right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph Perkins when you get there. Tell him I sent you. You can also right now go to the website farishcars.com and see their live inventory with live pricing. All right. So what you just brought up is what I wanted to get to. Um, I think this closing stretch of the season is make or break for everybody not named Dan Snyder. I think it's Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden specifically. Um, I think they'll probably keep Eric Schaefer. I mean, th this guy has survived everything. And I know that they like Kyle Smith and Doug Williams, of course. But this is make or break for Bruce Allen and, Dan, uh, and Jay Gruden, in my view. I don't think they can survive a bad closing stretch. Um, there's too much apathy right now. There would need to be something to sort of jumpstart or create the perception that they're not going to stick with going to stick with the same old, same old. Bruce Allen right now is enemy number one of the fan base. You would agree with that, right? Yeah, but that's been that way ever. That's been that way for years. I know, but they didn't have a home opener that drew flies either. It's you know, different. It's been different this year, Tommy. I, I don't. I th I think Bruce Allen is bulletproof. I don't. Okay. I, I don't think he's bulletproof. I think he's gone. He's got the house in California. They, it wouldn't be a firing. It would be more of a you know an agreement to move on, and maybe Bruce ends his football career because I don't know who would hire him. I, he's well respected in the league by league executives. You know, as a um, as as not a football you know, sort of evaluator, but everything else in football he's respected on. But I, but that leads me to this, and that, that's what you said, and I was thinking about the same thing. If Colt McCoy doesn't play well and the team doesn't win three of its final six games, because that's really the magic number. Yes, it is. Okay, so, so it's three of the final three, five Three now. out of five. So three of the final five to get to nine and seven should get them in. It yes, could it, keep them out, but it, it should, should get, get them, them in, in, either as the division winner or even a wild card at this point. Um, if that doesn't happen, I mean, if that's not the final nail in Jay's coffin, look, Bruce was a big fan of Colt. Bruce was the one that brought Colt yes, in. Yes, he was. The people forget that. Yes. I mean, it's not just Jay. Bruce is one of Colt McCoy's biggest fans. 
Look, neither one of them, neither one of them wanted the last guy. And Jay wanted Colt, and Bruce wanted Alex Smith, but wanted to keep Colt as a backup. Right. So if you get to the end of this year and we find out that, well, the guy they brought in, Alex Smith, wasn't very good, and by the way, had maybe has a career threatening injury, and then the backup that the head coach has loved wasn't any good either. How do either one of them stay? Because that, to me, this whole quarterback situation, as you know how I feel, it's been pro football negligence at the highest yes, level. Yes, it has. It, it really, really has. I mean, forget about the debate over the last guy and whether you like him or don't or whether you think he's a franchise quarterback or not. The way it was handled was pro football negligence at the highest level, which if, has if, always if, been my most anger if you uh, didn't associated like, with this. If you didn't like they the got last guy, they got for nothing him. for him. Nothing back for this yes. guy. All right, they got nothing back, and then they had to go spend for his replacement. Um, my point is, and I, 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 I don't. I mean, I'm not 100% with you on Bruce, but it wouldn't surprise why me. Why aren't you on? on well, why, because why? I, because I think, you think he's he's Dan Shield. I think I think he gives I think he gives the owner credibility in NFL boardrooms, and I think I think I think that matters. What about Brian LaFamina? <laughs> Again, if I'm if I'm Brian LaFamina, like I said before, I'm renting. Yeah, not buying. I think I'm with you on that. Uh, and so, but 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 Jay has staked his reputation on Colt McCoy. I mean, he really has. I mean, like you know, he was he was passive aggressive about Kirk. We don't we don't know if he had any role at all in acquiring Alex Smith. We don't believe he did. So. And so now he's got the quarterback who we've been told by team, not just by the coach, but by players who have been in that locker room. Remember, Quentin Dunbar said after Kirk left, he was shocked that they traded for Alex Smith because he just assumed Colt was going to get the job. Yeah. So, so now if Colt McCoy does not play well over this final stretch, that's on Jay Gruden. That's on his card. That's his report card. I agree. I completely agree. It would be another thing to add to the list of weak. I mean, you know, the funny thing is we never really know what this owner thinks because as I've said now for three years running, he's a recluse. He is never available. Ted is always available. Yes. I mean, just read Ted's take. He's got a take every day. And so you know sort of where he's coming from. The football owner, who's not as good an owner. I'm not saying he's a better owner. He's not. Ted's a good owner of, of professional sports franchises. He's got a, a great product in the hockey product in particular. And, but, and he's but got Dan, a championship arena football team, too. I, I, and I just heard about that last week. <laughs> um, but, but Dan is a recluse. You know, I, I, you don't know what he's thinking, but I can't imagine he's sitting back there this year with the three-quarter filled at best stadium, with the television ratings down, except for the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving, um, with a quarterback that they traded for after they basically told the other guy they didn't want any part of him, um, and you know a backup who the head coach was saying, I'd be fine with the backup, and neither one of them works out. And they, this, 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 this obviously presumes the assumption here is that they don't win three of the final five. Right. And we get to the end of the year, and it's an eight and eight football team. Let's just say it's an eight and eight football team and no playoffs. I just don't know how any of them come back. I don't know how Dan, as a business person, 
comes up with a, you know, a situation in his mind or, you know, penciling it out where it would make economic sense to bring either one of these two back. I'm not saying that a big time hire, like let's say they hired Jim Harbaugh. You know, he gets fired at Michigan and they bring Jim Harbaugh in. What if they hired John Harbaugh? Well, you know, I'd be a big fan of that. I, I've already mentioned this multiple times to people on Twitter, and I think I've mentioned it on this show. I don't think either Harbaugh would ever come here. The, he, Dan Snyder's not the owner that that a Harbaugh is going to I work doubt, for. I think you're right. So they're going to have much better options, yes. like some of the better coaches had in 2014 when they settled for Jay Gruden. All right, now he had a relationship with Bruce, you know, through John, but um. So you you know that's a bi- that's a big part of it too. I I, I often f- forget what I what I say, which happens all the time with you, and it happens now more often with me. But the problem is, is the Redskins organizationally have gotten to them gotten to the point where not many people really want to come here, you know. So you don't have the picking, you don't have the selection to replace Bruce and Jay that you may have had in two thousand five or two thousand ten. For that matter, when Shanahan came here, so you got to get really lucky and be able to spot the next great talent. And and the Redskins are among many things not lucky and, and not good at spotting the next talent. No. <laughs> They're not good at either one of those things. No. You know the talent in the organization right now. Kyle Smith, um, everybody believes is is a big time talent. Sean McVay was a big time talent. He was in the organization. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting year to be in the market for a head coach because of the situation in Baltimore and the situation at Michigan. Really, the, the Harbaugh's are going to be front and center of the 2019 January NFL coaching search. There, it, it, I, I, by the way, I, I can't imagine that they'll let Jim Harbaugh go in at Michigan. I can't, but uh, people are talking about it after they let's got do, Let's by do Ohio another State. scenario. For the Redskins, let's say they win three. Let's say they win four out of their last five. Finish strong with ten wins. Play well the rest of the season. Win a pl- playoff game at home McCoy and win a playoff game at home. Well, you know that's easy. That one's easy. You know the answer to that. What's the answer? The answer is you're coming back next year with Colt McCoy as your starter. I'm not saying that that's what I would advocate as a fan, but that's the conclusion they'll reach and Jay will reach. If Colt McCoy goes out and beats Philadelphia, beats the Giants, beats Tennessee and Jacksonville, uh, or beats Jacksonville, loses to Tennessee, beats Philadelphia, sweeps the Eagles, yeah. and they finish ten and six, that would be ten and six, right? And they win a home playoff game against Minnesota. Oh my gosh! <sighs> okay. Well, we know that's not okay. going to happen. No. But let's just say that that's what happens. Yeah. And then they go in the divisional round out to L.A. or to New Orleans, and they lose, but it's a credible effort. No changes. Nope, we're heading in the right direction. The defense played well. We got all that young talent on defense that Bruce has acquired. That but but they might be right. I look. That might be the right thing. They do have better young talent yes. right now. On defense than they've had in forever. Yeah, in forever. And they, now they're not set up great for the first time in a while from a salary cap standpoint. If Alex Smith isn't your starter, 
No. Because is, you, it, is it like a salary cap penalty? <laughs> well, it is like a penalty. Yes, it is. Because if Colt McCoy play, wins four out of five games and wins a playoff game it, because of his performance, yes, you know, in combination with good defense, but Colt plays well yeah. too, then you're going to have to pay Colt because I think Colt's got an he out. Get, he has an out. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't like now you're going to have so much money invested in the quarterback situation. God. I'm not expecting them to win four out of five, but it's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. Th- th- this is not, you know, a Philadelphia is 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 not very good. The, either either the, are the Redskins. Yeah, I know that. And and the one thing about the Giants that would worry me is unless you know, but the Giants are stupid. I mean, I'm thinking, how are they going to stop uh, Saquon Barkley from running the ball since they can't st- stop anyone? But then in the second half against the Eagles, I think Barkley touched the ball for the Giants four times. Five touches in the second in half. In the second five. half, five. I mean, the this Giants. Guy, this guy, Pat Shermer, you want to listen to something entertaining on a weekly basis is, well, Francesa, I mean, just when he falls asleep and asks yeah. dumb questions and says dumb things is entertaining. But the interview that he does on Mondays after the Sunday games with Eli and with Pat Shermer, this guy, Pat Shermer, I he mean. He was an idiot in Cleveland. He's not cut out for New York. There is, I don't see this going very well. And I, I'll tell you this, Tommy, Eli's not the problem. He's not been the problem in New York. I don't know what their solution to no Eli is next year. I'd bring Eli back if I were the Giants GM. I don't know what I mean. Is this guy Kyle Lalletta good? The Giants have lost six games by a touchdown or less. Yeah, the season very easily could have gone in a different direction. I mean, so that Giants game here uh, in two, in two couple weeks is is a big risk. I mean, because if you can't beat the oh, Giants... Well, it's going to be a tough game. Yes. It, uh, right now, the Redskins are a seven-point underdog at Philly. They will be an underdog at Tennessee. They will be an underdog... They'll be a favorite at home against the Giants. Yes. And who knows, when we get to the Philadelphia game, they might be favored at home against Philadelphia in that finale, depending on how the next few weeks go. And Jacksonville just fired their offensive coordinator. They're going to start Cody Kessler the rest of the year. I know. I actually like I, I liked Kessler. I, I may have been the only one. Um, but they uh, they they could be um, you know ripe for the taking how as great. well. The Redskins may be favored at Jacksonville when we get there. How great would it be for the uh, for the division? To come down, for the division to come down to that last game at home against Philadelphia. It would be great. That would be great. It would be great. You know what would be great is if they were, you know, I I just wonder what's going to really inspire the fan base. Because I talked about this yesterday, that there's this sense that there, it's like there's no direction here. There, there's no arrow. Which way is the arrow pointing? It's not pointing up. It's not necessarily pointing way down. There's just this feeling of resignation, I think, after Thanksgiving Day. And you already had a ton of fans that were apathetic. Now you've got the fans that were hopeful of, hey, maybe this season and we're turning them over and we're winning the, tur- you know, we're, we're playing smart football. Maybe we can win 10, 11 games. Now it's like, well, they can't beat New Orleans or the Rams. Um, they have a quarter. They just spent all this money uh, extending a quarterback that may be uh, compromised because of of a career threatening injury. And you're going to probably have a coaching change at the end of the. You know, it's where are if you get to that, 
Let, let's just say you get to that final game against Philadelphia. I think I think that would be excitement, but not at the level it was when they played Dallas no. with RG three. No, it would not. You be. know, because it, what where is it going? What's the end game? The end yeah. game is okay. You win, and then you host a game because you won the division, but you're not going to beat New Orleans. No, you're not going to beat the Rams. And you know, Tommy, when I think about the 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 very few playoff trips that this organization has had over the last quarter century. The um, there was always hope in those like 2005. They they won five games in a row to get to the postseason. They beat Tampa, and no one was overly daunting in the NFC that year. Seattle, Chicago, and right. they had a chance at Seattle. Yes, they did. You know, in 2007, when Todd Collins came in, 11 years ago today, uh, as an aside, 11 yes. years ago today is the day that Sean Taylor passed away. Um. It's amazing. It's been 11 years. I, I'll never forget that day. I basically was on the air for 21 consecutive hours wow. um, uh, d- that day. Um, but it was, it, but it was so sad, and we missed out on one of the all-time great players. I'm convinced of it. And I, you know how death sometimes um, lifts someone's legend to a level that really wasn't recognizable. You know, a lot of people have said over the years. You know, remember Sean Taylor? You know. He he made a lot of big plays, but he missed on a lot of plays. If you go back and you look at his 2007 season, this was a player that had improved significantly, was approaching his prime years, was getting better. He was a Hall of Fame player in the making. I really do believe that. I don't think we have outsized the player he was um, because of his tragic death where was i going with this before i just got derailed <laughs> we were talking about the indifference of of the redskins fans uh, what's the end game yeah the end you game. know what, what, I, what? I don't know the the end the end game is um the the end game is it's got to be like a, a a catch fire run here for people to get really enthused beat philadelphia on the road monday night come home beat the giants colt mccoy's not only playing well they're winning and they're winning you know uh, with let's score tw- let's score more than 24 points yes. in a game this year there you go you know in an nfl offensive year and then they go to jacksonville and they win and they beat tennessee in a big game and now you know they've they've got a game against the the eagles where they have to win and the or they, you know the cowboys are still there and you finish how about finishing the year on a five game win streak and going 11 and 5 that would do it that would do it that would do it what, what what I was saying, and now I remember where I got sort of derailed, um, n- not in a bad way because we remember Sean Taylor as Redskin fans, but 2007 with Todd Collins, there was some hope going into that postseason that they were going to make a little bit of a run. They were playing great. They had beaten good teams like Minnesota and the Giants on the road down the stretch. You know, in 2012, obviously, the RG3 year, there was some hope, legitimate hope, and they had a 14-0 lead on Seattle at home um, in that playoff. And I remember thinking, I'm like, they can go to Atlanta and win next week when they were up 14-0, and then maybe they can't beat San Francisco you know, in the NFC Championship game. But th- this year, though, you wouldn't have any, any sort of real aspiration of a run. Unless they were to win these five games. But even then, are they going to beat the New Orleans? No. No. But, beat the know, Rams? No. Here, here's one, some of the differences between 2005, 2007, and 2012 and now. In, in, both the, in all those instances, you had a coach who – according to DJ Swearinger, would probably not allow laid-back walkthroughs with people laughing 
before a big game. Right. The DJ Swearinger has said said after the game that uh, the Redskins aren't going to be respected until they win big games. That they don't that they don't seem to practice seriously enough. Went on 1067 the fan again yesterday and doubled down on it, saying guys are are are, are smiling and laughing and they're not serious enough in the walkthroughs. And I mean, to me, that's that's like that, this is the guy who a couple weeks ago said to the fan base, "You stink." Now he's saying, "We stink," you know. So I know. I mean, it, it's that's, it's so that's, bizarre. That's true, and that's that's a good way to put it because yeah. he was part of the you know the Josh Norman DJ Swearinger tandem of of calling out the fans. Yeah, and, and that, then you had and then you had Jay Gruden again yesterday, by, post in the press conference saying, "I got to do a better job coaching." I mean, how many times do we have to hear that? My gosh. Well, he blew it again with clock management and timeouts. He blew it again on Thursday. But, you know, it, it, it's that's – I'm not going to expect that to ever uh, improve. It, personally, it would be one of the reasons I'd move on from a coach like that. My hire of a coach would know – the fine line in all of these games and the little de- in the details that you've got to really be sharp on to give your team a, a, a better chance and he just doesn't he's not good at that stuff but um i don't know i the, the swearinger stuff yeah you you i mean you've got a coach that's that's loose i talked to, to clinton about this and clinton's like i don't really have a problem with it but you know it's because the coaching staff is loose and then you know, we followed up and had a conversation about whether or not that's, you know, hurtful. He said, look, I played for players, coaches in Shanahan and Gibbs. They were players, coaches too, but not in the same way. That, not in the same way. That Gruden is a players coach. No, not in the same way. I mean, Clinton delivered on Sundays, and that bought him that, that kind of goodwill from Shanahan and, for, and, from, and from Gibbs. Swearinger's played well this year. Yes, he has. But again... Here's something else that uh, you don't understand. Troy Castley went on Twitter after after Swearinger called I, out his I teammates. I read it yesterday. And basically, and he's right. Normally, this is not good locker room culture. Right. That's, that's I mean, you know, maybe it'll work for uh, over there at the Redskins, but normally this is not the way things are done. This is this guy's fourth team in six years. He's a good player. How come he's on his fourth team in six years? I don't know. Uh, it's a question um, that is uh, totally, totally justifiable in asking. Um, but I can just tell you that he's played really well yes. this year. I thought he played well last year also. But it is ironic that the guy that called out the fan base is now calling out his own teammates yeah. just a week later or two weeks later or whatever it is. Uh, it, it, netting it out, uh, yeah, Jay Gruden's on the hook for Colt McCoy here. He's on the hook for a lot more than just Colt McCoy. Yes, but this is. could this could be... The, uh, the the nail in the coffin, so to speak, for both of them, in my view. But at the same time, greatness over these final five games, a five-game run with Colt McCoy winning NFC Player of the Month in <laughs> December, all right, and winning a playoff game could completely change the way everybody feels about the organization. And that, Tommy, is why they go ahead and play the games. Um <laughs> I want to tell you real quickly about launch workplaces in Bethesda. If you live in the Bethesda, Chevy Chase, Upper Northwest, D.C. area, 
or Northern Virginia, just over the American Legion Bridge in McLean, Great Falls, etc., and you don't want a long commute and it's too hard to get work done from home, check out the new launch workplaces in Bethesda. Uh, they've got flexible and affordable private office solutions so you can get work done. Beautiful new space providing fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, compliment, uh, complimentary drinks cafe, and free parking uh, 24-7. Get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. If you call today, 240-800-6714, 240-800-6714, tell them that Kevin Sheehan, that I told you to call them, you'll get an exclusive free two-day trial if you want one. You can also find out all you need to know at launchworkplaces.com. One last quick thing. North Carolina hired Mac Brown. His coaching career at North Carolina ran from 1988 to 1997. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Like Gibbs came back after 12 years. This is after 21 years. Right, Gibbs left. Yeah, but Mac Brown coached someplace after that. He did, and he retired in 2013. Yeah. you know, as as the coach that won Texas a national championship with Vince Young. It's just, I, I actually thought he was much older than he was. He's 67, right, Aaron? You looked that up yesterday for Correct. me. Correct. Um, so I actually thought he was older than he was, but I started to think about you know the potential coaches. I mean, Gibbs isn't going to come back and coach football. Um, but, you know, from a Maryland football standpoint, and I know that you wrote the other day that you do not think that they should hire Matt Canada. Barry's Verluga wrote that they should rehire, that they should offer the job to Matt Canada. I'm more with you on that. I think that they need a rainmaker of sorts. Uh, but Ralph Friedgen, I, I, he's probably past the point where he can coach. I don't know if, if that – I'm not saying that physically, but from an age standpoint, I don't even think he probably has a desire to coach anymore because if he did, he would be an offensive coordinator and would have been somewhere yeah. the last few years. But Matt Brown, back to North Carolina, I mean, 1988 is when he – I mean, when his career at North Carolina started. That's crazy. And here we are now 30 years later, and he's going to start a new career. As the, as the head coach that of North Carolina. That is pretty remarkable. I think North Carolina is one of those places that should win more in football. Beautiful facility, beautiful but maybe, setting. But maybe it's a basketball school first. It is, but uh, you know, so is Texas, so is Oklahoma. Texas so is, is Mich- not a basketball school first. A uh, fo- football school. Yeah, yeah no, but I'm, I'm saying no, North no, Carolina no, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm thinking more in um, – yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm thinking more of like an, you know, an Arizona or a UCLA where you've had big runs. North yeah. Carolina has never had the big run, you know, in football. There were, there were moments in the 80s and, and recently with Fedora. They had a good team a few years ago that was in the ACC championship game. I've always felt like North Carolina and Virginia should be more consistently good in football well, you know, than they are. Look, and, it, Mar- it, and Maryland should be that, it, too. It's not like North Carolina hasn't tried. They cheated the hell out of, out of the program yes, as did. best as they could, and it still didn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I, um, <laughs> I find it interesting that they're going back to Mac Brown. Uh, anyway, uh, Thanks for showing up today. It was great. Hey, it was my pleasure. <laughs> this was this was certainly better than my Thanksgiving holiday. I know. Well, I'll next year, if the Sheehans are going to host again, which you know, I it'll probably happen. I mean, we talk a big game about you know taking Thanksgiving elsewhere next year. We'll probably end up hosting. You are invited. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
You extended me an invitation that still exists. If you guys go away for Thanksgiving, no, we're not taking you're you taking away. me with well, you. No, you're going to have to pay for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks to Aaron. Uh, we've gotten Tommy uh, on Colt McCoy. He thought he was terrible on Thursday. I didn't think he was as bad as Tommy thought he was. Uh, he'll be back on Thursday, and we'll start to uh, talk Eagles, Redskins then. Tomorrow on the show... Uh, Chris Naki is going to be on with me. We're trying to get Mark Turgeon on the show. Maryland plays Virginia in basketball tomorrow night. Maryland did end up getting ranked yesterday. They're 24th at 6-0. and uh, And the ACC Big Ten game for them is Virginia at Xfinity tomorrow night. That place will be packed and we'll be uh, into it, I think, for the first time this year. Um, so we'll do some of that on the show tomorrow. I think Cooley's going to come on on Friday this week. I uh, talked to him yesterday. Uh, Cooley will be on the show Friday. All right, have a great day, everybody. Take care.